In Mark chapter 10, as Jesus and his followers were on the way to Jerusalem, where Jesus be betrayed and murdered, he had James and John, a couple of his apostles, come up and try to ask for special treatment, to try to ask to be given a place at his right hand and his left hand. And while Jesus immediately nipped that in the bud, explaining to them that the, the difference and modeling for them what submission and sacrifice looks like, that wasn't quite the end of it. Because in Mark chapter 10, continuing with verse 41, and when the ten heard it, they began to be indignant at James and John. And Jesus called them to him and said to them, you know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. I'm reminded of my career in healthcare. As I was first transitioning into some of my earliest roles where I'd be responsible for managing people, one of the questions that human resources would often use to screen was whether you had experience in managing people before. And I think the thought process went that if you'd had experience being responsible for leading a team, for hiring people and doing performance reviews and doing discipline whenever there were work-related issues, that that made you more qualified to lead bigger groups of people. And that's very much how the world worked. You might start with a smaller team, and once you showed you could handle that, you would be given a bigger area of responsibility with more people to oversee and a bigger budget that you had to manage. And the bigger of an area you are responsible for, the more important you were in the organization, the more likely you were to have regular face-to-face -face time with some of the most ex uh, chief executives, and the most likely you'd be to get invited to all of the important meetings. And that's just how the world works. It's how the corporate world works. It's how we just see humanity organize itself in all different ways, shapes, or forms. So it's not a huge surprise that Jesus' 12 apostles assumed that that's how Christ's kingdom would work too. That there'd be some people that are just more important than others. Some people that are greater people whose word carries more weight, who everybody else needs to defer to and make sure that they satisfy. James and John evidently thought that. And it led to problems in their relationships with their other apostles. Not because they were like, oh, look how spiritually immature James and John are asking something silly like that, either. The others were indignant because they kind of wish they'd thought about it. The others were indignant because they resented the fact that James and John would think they're more important than them because obviously there are things that they bring to the table as apostles that's much more valuable than Zebedee's sons. So Jesus has to call all of the apostles together and address this because the way the world works does that to us. It pits us against each other. It has us measure ourselves against each other to derive our value from what the world says our worth is, our contribution is. But Jesus says, if you're following me, those rules don't apply. 
That's not how it works. The rulers out in the world, the rulers of the Gentiles may lord it over others. They may grab onto a position and then use that to get what they want and have everybody else do what they say and show their worth that way. But Jesus said, but among you, among my followers, that's not how it's going to work. It must not be so among you. Being great is not about exercising authority by having people who have to do what you say. He says, no, if you're going to be great in my kingdom, if you're going to be great as one of my followers, then you're going to have to serve. If you want to be first, you've got to be everybody else's slave. Because that's who Jesus is. That's how Jesus lived. That's what Jesus came to do, to give his life for the good of others. Even though I still had a lot to learn about how to follow Jesus, one of the things that always struck me is not understanding human resources preoccupation with that past supervisory experience. Because I always felt like if you had experience leading people who didn't work for you, who didn't depend on you for their performance review or paycheck, Yet you could still influence them to work together. You could still rally them around a common goal. Isn't that more valuable? Because to really be a good leader, you should never have to lean on because I said so. Whether that's as a parent or a spouse or in the workplace or the community and certainly in the church. Jesus calls us as his people, as his followers to be different. So we need to make sure that we are people who serve, that we don't come into the church, that we don't go into anywhere as Jesus's followers, as people that are just there to get, as people that are there to demand our way, to receive what we want, but that we are there to lift up everyone else, that we are there to draw everyone else closer to God, that our lives are to serve because our lives belong to Jesus. And that's who he is. And that's what he came to do. So if you belong to Jesus, if you truly want to be his follower, who are you going to serve to? That is where true greatness lies.